0: Have you heard the phrase software is eating the world? It's a funny term that was used by venture capital investor Mark Andreessen in 2011 to describe how software-powered businesses like Amazon, Netflix, and Google have gained momentum and taken over businesses that haven't embraced technology as well. Our guest today sees something else happening now. In his view, hospitality is eating the world. Richard Walter is co founder of Muse, a hotel technology firm, and sees an opportunity ahead for us to think much bigger than we ever have in the past. Whether you're a hospitality professional, operator, or investor, listen to our conversation to hear the opportunities for your business and your own career. You're listening to Hospitality Daily. My name is Josiah McKenzie, and throughout my career, I've helped hundreds of thousands of people succeed in the hotel business through experience design, technology, operations, marketing, revenue management, and real estate investment. Today, I use all of those experiences to find and share stories that help you serve others, stand out, and make money in hospitality today. Here's Richard.
1: The wider trend of what I see is that software turned every single company into a tech company. Uh, I think that, you know, even when you look at like oil and exploration and things like that, the amount of tech that actually goes into that kind of thing now is just quite extreme. And so it's taken over the the whole of the world. And I think what what has happened basically in through that is that we now live with a kind of, you know, citizen services in every single part of how we live and especially with things like ai it's just infecting every single thing that we do which essentially kind of means that we're going to um this kind of world which is like a very luxury world uh where you know i like i like that idea of uh where louis vuitton for example started so louis vuitton started out as a um a luggage packing company that also made, um, uh, that also made suitcases. And it was because, you know, when you were a monarch, you know, you were basically kind of traveling with this like huge array of, of luggage and like all of these kind of things. You're basically transporting a whole city, but it was about the fact that there was a services component to, uh, to the luggage aspect. Now in time the the service component has been lost but the you know the luxury luggage aspect has has remained um and then you know looking looking at it from this perspective i kind of think that a lot of what the modern world has been about is about moving the luxury level down to the normal consumer level and so when i then think about you know how we live and how we would like to live I think most people get to experience that when they go on holiday. You know, they kind of live these lives of, of toiling for 340 days or something like that, or 45 days or whatever, for that 20 days of, of, of holiday when they, when they kind of live the life that they would like to live. Um, and I think that that's, that's a really, really important, um, way that, that, you know, especially leisure travel, that that's, that's what most people actually have in their mind when they, when they think about travel, when they think about, you know, especially, um, you know, traveling f- for, for themselves. Um, and I think that, you know, again, to bring it back to this kind of like tech uh, perspective, tech is just going to make it much, much easier to actually kind of live that type of life. When you then think about it from the perspective of how we then live. I think in most of the kind of very rich areas of the world, people already have cleaners. People already have somebody doing their maintenance. People already have these kinds of like different services. And so what you're then seeing is residential spaces, commercial spaces, all actually adopting this as part of the service that they actually kind of get you. It's then kind of like thinking about most of the ways that we buy and experience things as actually kind of subscription services. Therefore, if you add those two things together, what other place do you actually kind of have that kind of life where you have everything catered for? Well, that looks a hell of a lot like a hotel that used to be a kind of luxury product. But I think what we'll see is that that will be pretty soon, or maybe over the next 20 years, that, will start to be the basis of most people's, um, you know, foundation for their lives. Most, I think most residential spaces, especially in, in Western, uh, in the Western world, but increasingly also in, in other places in the world will start to actually kind of resemble that. And therefore every single space that we have will start to actually kind of look like hospitality space in and of itself, because that's what you have in hotels. So that. Long speech is why I think that hotels are eating the world.
0: So I love that perspective. I wonder if we could look at the implications of this on three levels. First, how you're thinking about this running Muse, and then how hotel companies or hospitality providers or or leaders rather can think about this organizationally. And then finally, on a personal level, what does this mean for one's career? But first, for you as a, a founder and leader of Muse, how is this shaping how you're thinking about? what the future holds?
1: Well, I think that we, we've we kind of had this belief for a really, really long time. Um, it's kind of like one of my founding uh, theories around, around news. Um, and the way that it then gets shaped is actually the way that we've built news. So when you look at news, it looks a hell of a lot like a PMS and a hell of a lot like a standard PMS kind of product but architecturally there's some things around it that are completely different to the way that everyone else builds PMS basically even the the newest people first of all we start with individuals and companies as the way that you post things so you're not posting to a room because in our belief nobody a room doesn't subscribe to a service a person subscribes to a service a person wants something And that that room is going to be occupied by different people. And and if you want, for example, the data to travel outside of just that stay, if I'm traveling with my wife, my wife has as much agency in the decision-making of the services and all of the different things whilst we're on holiday as I do. So the fact that it's going to just go on my bill because that's tied to my room that's just completely wrong. And it's like, it's a terrible way to architect hospitality systems to do it in that way. So that's, I think, the first thing that we're doing differently. The second thing that we're doing differently is the way that we actually look at spaces and services and the way that they interact. So if you look at the way that we look at, you know, even things like occupancy, we don't look at it the same way that a um, that a hotel system would look at it, because what we think of is the usage of the actual individual spaces and the individual resources that are within those spaces. So, um, you know, for most hotel systems, if somebody is in a room at least once during a nightly period, that's 100% occupancy. Whereas we look at it as, well, when is that person there from because the usage that they actually have they might be using a bed from let's say um 11 p.m to 7 a.m they might be using the chair and the desk because they're using that space as a private office between 9 a.m and 5 p.m and if you think about the way that hotels are structured then you think about it as a check-in at 3 p.m. and a checkout at 11 a.m. Now, again, there is no customer in the world that has asked hotels to operate like this. Hotels have decided to operate like this to make it easier, basically, for their entire operations. But that's not the way, it's not what customers want, and it's not what they're actually using inside the rooms and inside the entire property. So, if you're not architecting systems around the way that customers actually use the product, then that's just architecturally, again, wrong. So from that perspective, we just have a lot more leeway to be able to actually say, look, the uh, economic occupancy of a room might be a hundred percent because somebody has, has paid for it. And then, you know, Stayed from three PM till uh, till eleven AM, so that's that's one hundred percent. But the actual usage uh, of the resources might only be sixty percent. So they might have the key basically for that. So that that might still be a hundred percent usage um, because nobody else can actually get into that room. But if you think about it from a perspective of twenty four hours, you could have three separate customers coming in. For three separate uses, for example, so you know you could have somebody using it as a as a private office. You could have somebody using it as a place to have a shower for an hour, and you could have it as a place for somebody to actually kind of sleep. So in that way, again, a typical PMS would look at those three uses as three hundred percent occupancy, whereas we look at it as you know a hundred percent usage.
0: This is where technology architecture is so important, right? Because I'm fascinated by the notion of expanding the market of hospitality as opposed to looking at, at it as a zero-sum game. And so if you're constrained by technology that puts limits on your ability to listen, but more importantly, act on customer demand, then you are constrained. But if you're more open and you have this more customer need-centric technology, you can grow the market. It's not a zero-sum It's not a finite pie. We'll be back after a quick break. Are you enjoying this conversation? If so, I invite you to text this episode to a friend or colleague as well. Not only will you let them know that you're thinking about them, but you'll help them as well. One more thing. I'm having a lot of fun right now sharing videos and photos from the stories on the show. So if you'd like to see those or watch along, open up Instagram and YouTube now and follow Hospitality Daily so we can stay in touch. All right, let's get back to the conversation.
1: Yeah. I, I literally actually just had this experience right now. So like Amsterdam uh has been pretty much sold out for the last um, you know, I don't know, like two weeks or something like that. It's incredibly difficult to actually and I, I was flying through there and I just wanted to actually just have a place where I can just have a shower because I was, you know, coming in and and I couldn't do it in a standard hotel, but I knew that in a muse hotel I could. You know, so, and, and we just happened to have about, you know, just over 20% of the, of the, uh, Dutch, uh, Dutch market. So I knew that there'd be a muse hotel, but I knew that in a muse hotel, they could actually handle this. Whereas even in, at airport hotels that technically should be set up for this, basically, they couldn't tell me if the room was actually going to be, uh, usable or occupied until around 10 o'clock when they had, uh, had kind of done their, their checks so they couldn't even tell me if I could basically just come in and use that space for like two hours or something like that. So it, it was just kind of amazing to see. The point about it is that when you see it from this perspective, you're then normalizing all of the information throughout all of real estate. Because offices work in the same way. Uh, they just have different rhythms. You know, um, residential spaces have the same uh, the same rhythm because they have the same assets to them. And what you're then kind of looking at it is, you know, a hotel is essentially a kind of service in a box, you have the rooms, but then you have, for example, communal spaces, you might have an aspect of uh, delivery services, because you have room service, you have all of these kind of different other services that are actually attached to it that are really specific to that audience that's there. So you're not just looking at a huge kind of delivery, menu you're looking at or you know doordash or whatever it is you're looking at very specific services that are tailored to that audience um and if you then think about it that's exactly what you're kind of now getting into with a lot of residential spaces or a lot of uh, office spaces where they're just saying it's not just a smorgasbord of every single thing that you could order through doordash it's tailored services so they might It might be actually as part of it. So now you're seeing residential contracts where they come in and do your laundry for you the same way that a hotel does. And so if you then think about any kind of space, what you should be thinking, you know, to your question about how should you be thinking about it as a hospitality professional, you should think about it from the perspective of if I've got a kitchen that doesn't just need to actually service this one hotel. If I find out other people or other spaces around that kind of catchment area i can service those uh, those areas it's much easier to actually find people who will do that delivery people who will do you know those certain kind of distribution aspects but now you can get a lot more bang for your buck from all of those different services so you no longer have to think about you know just having um housekeepers that only service these rooms within that three-hour period you can now employ them for maybe twelve hours. You can have a a service which services all of the different hotel rooms, but also all of the available Airbnbs that are actually around the corner.
0: So that's fascinating. If you're the hotel company executive, you need to be thinking more expansively beyond just making money here. It, it's we have a a core capability we can go and monetize in these new ways there's new markets for our business i've heard chris i was talking to christian lunge at um nordic choice hotels he was kind of thinking about ways have you come across other brands that are starting to think more expansively like that
1: no but you know nordic choice is is one of our most famous customers but you know and that's why we really really work well with them but i think that this is generally an idea that's infecting most people in real estate so everyone's trying to kind of do it you see You know, you see traditionally property management systems on the real estate side starting to go like, okay, well, how do we connect to Airbnb? Because we're getting requests basically from all of these people that they would like to be distributed. You know, and it's not just the individual renters, it's also the owners of the properties. Um, You know, they, they would like to actually, you know, maybe have... 250 day contract so that 90 days basically they can get that person to to move out or, or store their luggage somewhere so they can actually make money for for those 90 days and, and maybe actually kind of utilize some of those market forces so and again like you know you're not you're not having rental contracts for that you know for that thing and basically because the way that it operates now is that that landlord has essentially you know rented something and the excess of that is going to the to, uh, to the to the tenant who then takes a subtenant in for that you know weekend or whatever it is and there's a huge amount of money that those residential owners are actually leaving on the table same thing that we're seeing for example in like uh student accommodation where they would have these prime locations and then they'd be like well why can we not have you know Uh, students or or others uh, actually coming in to utilize these spaces over the summer. So I think more and more of the world is thinking about how do we utilize the assets that we actually have in the best possible way. And that's why the architecture is really, really important, because not everyone is actually set up to kind of go, how do I maximize all of the opportunities that I have? Um, But because most of the world is, you know, because... It's really difficult to build in our cities. It's really difficult to actually kind of have these. um, You know, the the rents are getting really, really high. That's why people kind of need to sometimes supplement their income with Airbnb. All of these things are basically kind of happening, and um, and you know, from our perspective, we're just trying to figure out how do we actually represent that in. Code for
0: it, it's fast. I find this fascinating. If you're a real estate investor, as you pointed out across asset classes, whether it's multifamily or even office or some of these, there's ways to incorporate elements of hospitality, but, um, I think it's also the bull case for investing in hospitality real estate specifically, because if we go back to the beginning of our conversation, talking about the service element, hotels just innately have a capacity for delivering services that other asset classes don't have. And so I think as we kind of think about where is culture heading, where's technology heading, I see a very bright future for hospitality real estate investing. You have the right real estate that's flexible. You have the technology that can support that. You have the services, the capabilities. So that whole picture. Let's, in closing, maybe talk a little bit about kind of for people that are listening to this, probably mostly in the hospitality industry, there may be some people outside the hospitality industry. How What does this macro trend mean for people planning their careers? Is there more opportunity now in hospitality in your mind than, than there has been in the past?
1: 100%. Like, the way that I see it is that... Um, We've gone through for the last 200 years, there's been a huge amount of specialization in the type of spaces, in even the types of careers. You know, for example, to be a concierge needed a huge amount of specialization. What you're seeing is what technology does really, really well is become a great leveler. Like, for example, right now, you know, in London, you used to have cabbies that would train for a year f- for the knowledge, you know, or in New York for the, for the medallion. You don't need that with GPS anymore. Technology has levelled that, and so you know whatever one might think of Uber and, and the, the way that it's transformed the cities, it does mean that that you know barrier has really, really come down because of uh, because of um, uh, because of technology. And I think that that's probably the way that I look at most specialisations within hospitality. Now, it's meant or it probably means that. It does mean that, you know, your specialist knowledge of being a great concierge has now become a little bit devalued. But in another way, you could think about it as now it's so easy for everyone to be a concierge, for everyone to think of these. So adopt a growth mindset. How can I actually service? Because there is something going to be special about the way that you can, you know, recognize somebody, the way that you can, you know those those types of things that we think about as being very human you know being being able to be kind and and um uh being able to be welcoming to somebody those are very kind of human soft skills but if you think about it that's very very difficult for an AI to actually you know that those types of skills are going to be incredibly um uh, in demand uh because they're they're purely human skills it's very very difficult to actually um uh to to replace by ai replaced by technology so the way that i'd see it is think about how to actually maximize all of those aspects that actually that you can do you know so if you're thinking about starting a um uh, a company that can think about care you know those hospitality skills that are going to be in you know great demand if you're thinking about housekeeping services um that you can you can scale and that are, you know, five-star hotel quality. Um, now you can actually, you know, do that in hotels, in Airbnbs, in people's living rooms or in people's uh, normal residential spaces. you it'll be much, much easier to actually distribute those services and find clients who want to kind of buy it and order it. Um, so again, there's a huge amount of entrepreneurial um, ability or the or, um, opportunity that we will have as hoteliers to actually expand across multiple different um, use cases, not just in hospitality. So if you think about it, if you've spent, you know, 10 years being a hotelier, I think this, this should represent, this is a technological wake up call for you to say, I can now really, really scale that particular business in that particular uh, way. So, You know, and you see it with a lot of, um, uh, hotel companies getting into that space. Like I think that there's, you know, the Hoxton's of the world and, uh, you know, the, so houses of the world, are already kind of doing, uh, offices and, you you know, stylized, uh, things, the, the Rosewood's of the world are doing, uh, you know, branded residences, um, You know, you've got Marriott. I think in the last quarter, they, they said something like 30% of their new signings has come from extended stay. All of these things are really kind of coming together. Everyone is getting on this kind of this bandwagon. And I think that that's going to be the dominant way that uh, hospitality companies think of themselves. Um, but from a very small SMB perspective, I think that the idea of, just looking after that kind of monolithic property, um, that might still end up being the case in let's say less built up parts of the world. You might still see that kind of traditional hospitality as you know the one property, but I think everywhere else you will actually see you know th- that kind of scale coming across all different types of um, uh, real estate uses and not just within hotels.
0: Great hospitality providers know that every touch point matters a lot, so they spend a lot of time making sure that each interaction better serves their guests and makes life easier for their teams.